Good morning, LifePoint Online. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dean. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. And as we are jumping into the message this morning, I just want to uh, give you a reminder. There are message notes that are available for you either at lpguest.com. If this is one of the first times that you have, uh, have jumped in to join us, you heard Chad talk about that from the top of the service. Today, you can find message notes there, or you can find the message notes at the LifePoint app underneath the resources tab. And the reason I say that is that those message notes are gonna become uh, very important today with the links that are available to, the, to you there later on in the message. So you may just wanna go ahead and open those up. We are starting a brand new series today called Wide Open World. And it's an annual series that we do every year where we talk about uh, missions and this, this call that God has given us to be light um, in dark places. Uh, it's really an expression of our core value. We have five core values, but it's an expression of the core value that we call reaching priority. And when we summarize reaching priority, the way that we say that is um, that we'll, we want to do whatever it takes to reach the one. When we talk about reaching priority, that's, that's the emphasis uh, really for us. And so throughout this series, we're going to talk about ways where all of us can take our next missional step. And the way that we'll say it every week in this series is that we say yes. We say yes to taking our next missional step. We say yes because God is faithful. So because we have this faithful God, our job as believers is to find and follow. We want to find God's activity. So we don't want to dream it up on our own. We don't want to create our own agenda, but we find God's activity. And when we find it, then we follow it. And it's really one of the most exciting parts uh, of this Christian journey uh, of faith because you're getting in on something that is so much bigger than you. Uh, we've got uh, friends at a partner church of ours down in Alabama, and I don't know, seven or eight years ago, their missions pastor, Jonathan, was interested in reaching uh, the Tajik people. It's a people group in Central Asia, essentially unreached um, with the gospel. There are about six million uh, Tajiks, and um, their church was interested in how can we take a step uh, towards um, making light come to uh, this group of people. And so he reached out to our international missions hub uh, in Virginia. We have a little over 4,000 international missionaries from our network of churches serving around the world. And he said, uh, he asked someone there, hey, do you know of anyone, a church, that's really focused on trying to reach um, the Tajik people? And um, the person on the other end of the line said, you know, I, I only know of one church, and we've got about 45,000 or so churches um, in, our, in our network, he said, I only really know of one that was kind of focused on six or seven months ago. They called me. I'll send you their contact information. So Jonathan uh, gets their information, uh, calls them up. And it was kind of a rural church over in East Tennessee. And he calls, the pastor picks up, and he explains who he is. And he says, hey, the reason that I'm calling is that um, I understand that you and your church are interested, at least at some, to some degree, in the Tajik people. Our church is interested in as well, and we just wanted to know if you would like to join us or we could partner together somehow to make a difference uh, to this people group in Central Asia. And there was silence on the other line for a second. And then all of a sudden he heard what sounded like somebody who had distanced themselves from the phone, and he heard, praise God. God, amen. It's East Tennessee, right? And um, someone just, this expression of worship and praise for 10, 15 seconds. And then the pastor picks the phone back up and he says, Jonathan, there's no way you would have known this, but you just called me on the 40th day of 40 days of our church, praying and fasting 
And the primary part of our praying and fasting is we were asking God to show us how we could reach the Tajik people. And the world is wide. When God decides he wants to reach a people group, it's wide open. And we have the joy of being part of something that is so much bigger uh, than we are. Our job, find and follow God's activity. We say yes to him because he's faithful. Now, to talk about that today, as we kind of introduce the series, we're going to talk about this moment of calling that comes to Abraham uh, and Sarah in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 12. Before we jump into Genesis chapter 12, though, just by way of reminder, from creation in Genesis 1 to Genesis chapter 11, um, humanity is on a downward spiral and it kind of crashes in, in Genesis 11. Um, you get to that Tower of Babel moment where humanity essentially says, and I quote, we will make our name great, unquote. They decided they were going to build a tower to the heaven to make their name great. And humanity has just gotten more broken, more corrupt, more evil. And it's like at the end of Genesis 11, God decides, I'm starting over. I, I got to push reset here. And what he's going to do is he's going to reset with the family of a man named Abraham. He's going to start with one man, right? And his 12 great grandchildren, those become the 12 tribes of Israel as God establishes a new covenant. So we'll pick it up, Genesis chapter 12, and we'll read verses one through three. It says this, now the Lord said to Abram, now, as you're reading those verses, you're like, wait a minute, Dean, you just said Abraham. This says Abram. Why the difference? Abram means father. Abraham, God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham, as a reflection of the covenant, means father of many, right? So Abram means daddy. Abraham means big daddy, right? So now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. You see the contrast, right? To Genesis chapter 11, we will make our name great. We will build a tower to heaven. But God's activity is to start over. He's starting with Abraham and his 12 great grandchildren. One guy, 12 great grandchildren. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. As God establishes his covenant, that is so critical that we understand that he, God says, so that the reason for me blessing you, Abraham, is so that you can become a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, uh, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth <clears throat> shall be blessed. So first thing I want you to hear from this calling moment in Abraham and Sarah's life is that we are blessed to be a blessing. I'll say that to you again. We are blessed to be a blessing. So um, let's personalize this a little bit. And I know that you're listening somewhere, maybe at home in your living room, maybe in your car, maybe I want you to repeat something out loud after me. Okay. I'll say it. Then you say it first. I am blessed. That's your part. Now you say, I am blessed. Okay, let's try it again. I am blessed to be a blessing. See, the reason that God has blessed you and me is not just so that we can be blessed. He has blessed us so that we can be a conduit of his activity and his blessing then that wants to, that wants to go and that wants to be a blessing to others. You see it here so clearly in Abram's life. What I think we miss at times in the story of Abram's calling 
if I understand it, if I read it correctly, Abram and Sarah didn't hear God's voice in a vacuum. Rather, I believe that the text indicates that this call, this move, that it actually came to Abram's father, Terah. When you get to the end of Genesis chapter 11, there's essentially only one group of God followers left. And it is Terah and his descendants who live in Ur of the Chaldeans. God speaks to them. And so what they do is they leave Ur and they head, um, they head west on their way towards the promised land. Now here's the problem, that on the way, they stop. They stop and settle um, in Haran. This is the end of Genesis chapter 11. We just read Genesis 12. This is the end of Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. It says this, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. So this is the triptych, right? This is where the GPS is taking them from Ur all the way to Canaan, which is the promised land, right? However, listen to the end of the verse. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. I believe that this call from God, this new covenant comes to Terah and his whole family. And God says, I want you to go to the promised land. I'm gonna do this great, incredible thing, so go. And they go, but on the way they stop in Haran. Haran was a powerful merchant city in their part of the world. And they settled there and Terah becomes a very successful businessman, which there's nothing wrong with. That's just not the mission. And they settle there and they stay there. And I think what happens is that Terah becomes so dialed into what he wants, that success, becomes an idol to him. You say, well, Dean, what do you, why do you say that? Because in recounting the generations later on, hundreds of years later, in recounting the generations and their forefathers, here's what Joshua says in Joshua chapter 24, verse two. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived across the Euphrates, Terah, he calls him by name, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served um, other gods. So you've got Terah who settles with Abram, Sarah, and Lot. And there comes this moment of calling, I believe, that comes to Abram and Sarah because Terah said, I'm staying here, man. Life's good. Everything's great. And so God says, the verses that we read in chapter 12, verses one through three, God says to Abram, I want you to go. Now that's a reflexive verb in Hebrew. So literally we would read it in English. We would read it like this, you get yourself out. Because I'm sure what Abram probably would have responded to God with is like, wait a minute, God, you're asking me not just to leave the city, but you're asking me to leave my family. And in their culture, very, uh, very patriarchal, very you know, oldest male led, you're asking me to leave my father. So I'm walking away from father, I'm walking away from my family. And God says to Abram, Abram, you get yourself out and you go. Abram, I want you to take your next missional step. 
I'm going to make of you a great name. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those and curse you. And I'm going to bless you so that you can be. I'm not just blessing you like you see your father seeing blessing. I'm not blessing your father so that your father can be blessed. I'm not blessing your family so that your family can be blessed. I am blessing you so that you can become a blessing. And I think you see a contrast here in the two ways that we view God, that we view our relationship with God, that we view um, Christianity, if you will. Because there's a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, if we're honest, we just wanna go halfway. We, we, we wanna go so far with God that we get the benefits of the security that he offers and um, the promise of the promised land, right? That there's hope when I die, but we don't wanna go so far that it makes us uncomfortable. We don't wanna go so far that it requires me to change. We don't wanna go so far that I have to dig in and do the work of finding God's activity and following it in faith, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, and putting myself on God's agenda instead of trying to put God on Dean's agenda. We kinda of wanna go halfway. Um, whenever I was a kid going to church, um, I remember one of the uh, realities that's a little different today probably in church than it used to be is um, we would get up and whenever we got up on Sundays, we had to dress up for church. And, uh, you know, for me as a little guy at times, that meant I would get a clip-on tie out and I would put my clip-on tie on and we, there's actually a name for it. You know the name, you've heard this, right? It's called putting on your... Sunday best, right? Whenever you went to church, you had to be shined up, cleaned up, hair combed, clip on Sunday best. And I could not wait as a kid for church to be done and to get home and to take off that <laughs> stupid clip on tie. It was stupid in my mind, right? It didn't matter what you had, but whatever you had, the best of what you had, that's what you wore on Sundays. But as soon as I could, I would get home, take off that tie, put it in the drawer, and I would be done with that for the rest of the week. The next six days, no tie, uh, no clip on, no, no nicer shoes. Like, and I think a lot of us, when we think about spirituality, we kind of have a Sunday best mentality. It's like, man, I go to church on Sunday and I show up on Sunday and not necessarily on the exterior in terms of what we wear or how we externally present ourselves, but more our spiritual attitude on the inside is I'm gonna show up on Sunday and, and listen, I'm glad people show up on Sunday. I'm glad you're watching today online. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. but. The Sunday best attitude sometimes presents itself. As soon as you're done on Sunday, you kind of go home and you kind of spiritually take all that off and then you go about the rest of your week. And it's very easy to get into the grind, the, if I can say it this way, the Torah grind of living in Haran, of trying to make life work for yourself in all kinds of a variety of ways. And Christianity is just a kind of a Sunday it's kind of a Sunday best kind of a thing. So the point of this series is as we consider a wide open world is to do whatever it takes as God speaks, as you look for his activity, you find, you follow, is to take your next missional step. And for a lot of us, um, that means that we're gonna take the opportunity at some point to get outside 
uh, of what we know of Christianity and potentially go on a mission trip. This past year, uh, through our wide open world offering, I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but we were able to send uh, from our church 84 people to eight different countries on five different continents, some shorter term, some longer term, and some who've gone there, uh, in a sense, for, for a career. And in sending, what happens is when people get their feet on foreign soil, when they engage in the mission outside, of our borders. So many times it changes their heart as they engage the mission um, inside of our borders. Recently, uh, we were able to send four ladies from our church with one of our ministry partners, Finish Line Ministries, to go to Malawi. And um, when they went there, the goal was they were going to do three different women's conferences. Finish Line uh, had, never, uh, had never engaged in doing women's uh, ministry conference kinds of events like this. And so four ladies from our church went and their goal was they were going to teach at these uh, three conferences and just see what God's activity was. And quite frankly, we were blown out of the water. Um, over 1,400 women attended and 232 of those women took the first time step of following Christ in a personal relationship. Finish Line has put together uh, just a brief summary video. So take just a second and watch uh, the video of God's activity and what he did while these four ladies were there. Well, I don't know about you, but I am so incredibly encouraged by what God has done through our trips and certainly through this recent trip and other trips over the year. Throughout the series, uh, we'll certainly talk more and more about those. Not all of us are going to go outside of the borders uh, of our country this year on a trip. But another way that you can take your next missional step is to participate in the Wide Open World Offering. Um, from the uh, dates of June 4th through June the 10th, everything that's given financially to our church, 100% of it will go to support missions work around the world. Now, that's not the only funds that we give to missions. We give 10% of our general budget uh, as well to missions uh, throughout the year. But for that one week, June 4th through, through June 10th, 
Everything that's given uh, will be given to missions. And for some of us, you'll give your normal uh, every day, uh, every week, every month offering, which is incredible. For some of us, we can sacrifice to give over and above our normal giving to see God's light shined to the ends of the earth so we can have even more opportunities to find and follow God's activity. I mentioned to you this year, we sent 84 people around the world. Next year, we're dreaming to send 150. We, uh, we're partnered with church plants uh, throughout the United States. Next year, we're dreaming to step outside of our borders to helping plant uh, a church in Puerto Rico. We'll share more and more throughout the series, but I just want you to begin to root your heart, praying not only for yourself, but for our church at large, right? You get yourself out. What does God want to do through you and through your generosity in light of what God is doing here at our church? Um, my grandfather-in-law, my wife's uh, grandpa, his name was Gray Allison. I'll show you a picture uh, of him. He was a World War II uh, bomber pilot in the Pacific. And whenever he came home uh, from the war, one of the things that he realized is so many countries around the world, because of the effects of the war, had become open to help and support from the West. And I'll never forget him telling me about um, the country of Indonesia. You know, he says that Indonesia was wide open, welcoming support and help and visit uh, from the West, from Europe and from the United States uh, post-World War II. But the church just didn't really respond. The church in Europe, the church here uh, in the U.S. just didn't really respond uh, strongly to their openness. And today, Indonesia is the largest, largest Islamic state um, in the world. Because I believe we missed a window. And with the pandemic coming to a close around the world, I feel like the world is open right now. The world is open to our support. The world is open to our visit to invite us to come for a variety of reasons in a variety of places. And what we don't want to do is we do not want to miss our moment. So as we pray towards our offering, we are praying about an offering of $350,000. Last year, our offering was about $202,000. It allowed us to do everything we needed to do. But next year, we sense that's going to be a significant increase. So I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray about your personal sacrifice and to pray about the generosity of our church towards that offering, um, beginning on Sunday, June the 4th, and extending for the rest of the week all the way through um, June the 10th. Another missional step that you can take is to have a God conversation. Over the next three weeks of this series, my prayer is that every single believer in our church will take the opportunity to initiate a God conversation. There are different ways uh, to do that, different steps that you can take. What I'm encouraging you to do is to just find a way to talk to somebody about what God's activity is in your life. Maybe it's something that you've read. Maybe it's a story that you've heard. Maybe it's something that you've heard here um, at church, a point from a message. Just bring God up in a conversation and put the results in his hands. Let him do whatever. He, you're not trying to strong arm anybody. You're not trying to convince anybody. But just take the next missional step of having a conversation with somebody else about what God means to you and leave the results, right? Leave the results 
in his hands. I was just talking to somebody this morning uh, who shared with me, uh, if you were here for our last series called Playlist in the Psalms, we gave out invite cards uh, in the, uh, right before the series began. And uh, this uh, friend of mine that I was talking to, he said he was sitting in his car at a stoplight and he looked down and he had gotten a card the previous week. You know, we invite everybody, take a card, just hold on to it. And he looks down and he realizes, he said, you know what, God, I haven't invited anybody to this series. Would you show me who you want me to invite? And he said, I asked the Lord that question. And right as I was sitting in my car at this kind of T area, waiting to go through the stoplight, all of a sudden I heard a car horn honking and one of my coworkers was driving by hand through the T-tops in her car waving at me and he said, wow, oh, okay, God, okay. And so the next day at work, he gave his coworker uh, the card and do you know that she came the next Sunday and through a miraculous set of circumstances, God spoke directly into her life about a specific circumstance in a way that only God could have known what he was doing, and she's been here every week since. And you're gonna to say to me, well, Dean, I'm gonna try that, and that's not gonna, no, that's not gonna happen every time, every time you invite someone. But if you do this over the long arc of your Christian experience, will it happen sometime? Absolutely. I believe God wants to use every single believer as a life. So take a step. Start a God conversation sometime in the next year. The only reason that we have a mission, right, is because our Savior, because Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus is the ultimate invitation. Jesus is the one like Abraham who left his father's country. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He came to a place that from a spiritual perspective was very foreign to him. The scriptures say that he came into his own and his own received him not. Jesus came into a world that was very much like the Tower of Babel. He came into a world uh, where Rome ruled, the Pax Romana, where Rome said, we will make our name great. But the fulfillment of the covenant that God began with Abraham came to fruition in the person of Jesus. Who did what? Who has come to bless us. He blessed us in dying on a cross for our sins, becoming a covering, becoming an atonement for our sins. And the scriptures say that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, right? In the high place. So, so what? So, so we are blessed so that we can be a blessing. We are, not, um, we are not saved just a bit for that to terminate on us, but we are saved. We have come to know Christ in salvation through what happened on the cross, through what happened in the resurrection, so that we can become a blessing to others, so that you and I can take our next missional step, I'm going to pray for us here in a minute as we close out the message. But before I do, there are going to be, um, in the closing, Pastor Chad is going to share with us two more ways that you can take your next missional step in the context of the next generation of children and students. And links to take both of those steps are in the message notes uh, for you today. 
So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for you. If you've been here uh, live in the services recently, you know that a couple of weeks ago I felt impressed to pray for boldness for our church. I think this is why. Because it's going to require spirit-guided, spirit-driven, spirit-led boldness to see us step into all God wants for our church to do in these coming days. Let's pray together. Father, we lay our lives in front of you. And God, I don't know if there's anyone who's listening today who maybe doesn't have a relationship with you. So their next missional step is going to be to follow you. You have found them. And God, for them to follow you in salvation. Maybe, God, there's somebody who's listening uh, today who, for whatever reason, has gotten dry or bored with Christianity because they're not engaging the mission. Missions, God, we know is not something that we do. We are the mission. The church is the mission. And so for God, for any um, of us who find ourselves in that space where we have neglected this idea that we are supposed to bless others, God, we repent of that today. We turn our heart your direction. God, we ask you to fill us so that we can be part of seeing others filled. God, would you use us to reach a world that is wide open, a world that is desperate in need of you. And as God, we, um, as we come together now to sing that God, our hearts will be focused on you as we come God now to hear about the next steps that are so critical. God, we just want to say that we say yes to you because you have been so faithful to us in your name. We pray. Amen.